Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For our radio audience tuning in here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, those joining us online worldwide, thanks to our podcast. We're glad you all could be with us as well. Among other things, October is recognized as National Book Month and have a great guest that's joining us for this next segment. Really excited about this. Enjoyed his book. We're excited to be speaking with Robert Boyers. He's the author of the new book, My Maestros and Monsters, Days and Nights with Susan Suntag and George Steiner. I want to talk to Robert not only about the writing of the book, but what it was like for him to profile these two very distinct individuals and be able to show them, of course, their journey and their successes, but also the contrast between them as well. Also, of course, we'll let him tell us a little bit about what it's been like for him to see the response to the book. And for those just finding out about it, we'll let you know how to get your own copy of it. Robert, thank you again for the time today. really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Um, well, I can tell you that I, I started to write the book um, at the, more or less at the moment that uh, we were all going under during uh, the first stages of, of the COVID pandemic. And, uh, and that was a month after uh, George Steiner, um, who had been my teacher um, many, many years ago, and, uh, and then a friend for more than five decades had uh, died. And uh, so I, you know, I, I, I thought to write a little memoir about about him, about knowing him over all that period of time, and trying to sort of uh, rehabilitate his reputation for people who had sort of lost touch with with his works. And then I just sort of discovered that I had much more to say, and, and I thought the best way to do it was to put him together with uh, another writer, a comparable writer named Susan Zontag, even more famous than he was. Um, and strangely, two writers who loathed one another um, and um, who came together only on several occasions when, uh, when I was able to bring them together uh, for public events and, and that sort of thing. So that, that was the sort of initial impetus uh, for the book, um, to bring Steiner back and to put him together with, uh, with a, a strange figure, Susan Zontag, who was... I guess you could say the most famous uh, celebrity intellectual uh, in the world for a period roughly between the middle of the 20th century and the early years of this century. Okay. Robert, I appreciate that, that backstory for our audience in particular. I had a chance when I was prepping for your segment, I heard a couple of podcasts that you were on. And what, what was interesting for me was, as you mentioned just now, these are two individuals that were not foreign to you. You knew, you knew them. And so what, did that make it an even more exciting project or did it make it more daunting for you because you did know them both so well? I did, and, and you know, um, you know, you know, you hear that title, Maestros and Monsters. Well, you know, I, I appreciated them as great writers and great thinkers, and Steiner was my, my teacher, Zuntag was my very close friend for, for a very long time, and, and yet, you know, I thought of them both uh, in 
various ways, in various degrees, as monsters. So that was a hard thing, um, to write a book that was filled with a sort of appreciation, even in some ways a kind of reverence, while at the same time uh, opening up about them, telling the truth about them, trying to figure out whether or not the nastiness, the coldness, the rudeness that both of them exhibited at different times was not in some strange way at the root of their strengths as thinkers and writers. That was a very hard thing to do. When I finished the book um, and I submitted the book and I got a contract for the book, the first thing I did was to send uh, the manuscript um, to George Steiner's son, David Steiner, who is um, a well-known academic, a professor at Johns Hopkins University, someone I've known for a very long time since he was very young, and I thought, how is he going to, uh, how is he going to receive a book in which his father is some of the time, at least, cast as a monster? And he wrote me back after he read the book, and he said, "You got him. That's exactly that, that's exactly what he was." And I felt so very good about that. Right. Robert, I'm going to dive into that a little bit because I, I think there will be some people when they when they do read the book, and I do encourage people to read it, uh, and when they do kind of get to know these individuals, as I mentioned, I didn't know anything about either one of them um, beforehand. But what I thought was so interesting is that how much of it, and I also want to pose the question to you, when it comes to looking at their personalities, looking at their success and how they were perceived, how much of that was a sign of the times and the fact that they felt like they had to have something to prove? They had to show that they were, were worthy of the titles and the accolades. Well, I think both of them had this uh, very strange uh, sense that it was important when you're telling the truth and saying exactly what was on your mind, it was important to make enemies. If you didn't make enemies, you were holding back, you were trying to, uh, to sort of make people feel that there was nothing terribly uh, important or disturbing about what you had to say. And so both of them were very good at making enemies. Um, in, in my book, as you know, I mean, the, I, I cite uh, violent uh, attacks um, upon both of them, sometimes in major publications and books and sometimes from uh, leading writers and intellectuals. But the odd thing is that at the same time, in spite of the fact that they were both of them so good uh, at making enemies, um, they were both very highly regarded. Their books... Um, sold enormous numbers of copies by comparison with comparable books by just about anyone else during uh, that sort of roughly 50-year period. Uh, both of them wrote for the leading periodicals, uh, both of them, on a regular basis. And, um, and so that, that's the sort of the odd thing there, um, that, that they, they, they were able to go against the grain, stir people up, make people angry, um, and at the same time attract not only great attention, but great um, respect and accolades. Uh, I don't, you know, that's hard to figure out. There aren't a lot of, of writers about whom you can say that. Yeah. Robert, I think the other thing, other side of this as well, uh, of course, uh, as we kind of think about Steiner and Suntag, I mean, you know, for the two of them, did you feel as though when you were – 
kind of compiling this book um, that they that they felt misunderstood. Did you or did do you feel as though they were individuals who um, who who could understand why people felt or had such strong feelings toward them? Uh, actually, it's it's a funny thing. I mean, um, though neither of them um, approved um, clearly of what their uh, most violent critics said about them, they really did understand the criticism that was leveled at them. Um, because very often the criticism had to do, um, in some cases, with their having taken on things beyond what uh, other writers felt it was seemly to take on. Um, going places that were bound to make many readers feel deeply uncomfortable. So, I mean, you, you could really understand very well why many of those readers um, would feel uncomfortable uh, and would attack you for it. So they, they really didn't have um, difficulty understanding the attacks, but of course they didn't, they didn't agree with them, they didn't approve of them. Um, and the attacks took many different forms. Let me, let me give you one example of a, a very okay. sort of famous dust-up um, involving Susan Sontag. And this occurred uh, in the early 1980s at the time when she was the most famous intellectual in the world. Um, she, had, um, she was a woman um, definitely left of center in her politics, and she uh, went to town hall and she made, in New York City, and she made a speech, a very famous speech. Uh, it, was, it was published and talked about uh, for months after the speech was made in this, in this auditorium at Town Hall. Um, and in the speech, she claimed that people like herself, people on the political left, um, had perversely refused to accept, to acknowledge how terrible the political left was. They had refused to talk about the evils and the dangers of communism because they didn't want to give comfort uh, to people on the political right. Well, when she gave that speech, I mean, all hell um, broke out. Um, in, in the pages of uh, probably the most prominent left-wing weekly in the United States, The Nation magazine, she was pilloried. Um, she was attacked uh, um, from every side. Uh, because of what she had done. And, of course, she understood that. I mean, she understood the nature of the attacks that she brought on, and, uh, and she accepted that this is what she intended to do. She intended uh, to make the left feel uh, deeply uncomfortable and even in some ways guilty uh, for its failures to acknowledge what was going on in many parts of the world. So and I think that's a sort of a notable example of the kind of, of writer and thinker that Zontag was, and in many ways that was true of Steiner as well. Yeah. And that's why I think it's such a fascinating thing for our audience to be able to think about. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, he's on the radio side or online. You're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Robert Boyers to our broadcast today. We're talking with him about his newest book, Maestros and Monsters, uh, a really fascinating look at two individuals that he has gotten to know well. That Now, Robert, thanks to your book, you're introducing them to a new audience. How does that feel? Because you've gone from knowing them so intimately and and, and being able to – 
to capture these moments for us, now we're able to find out about them for the first time. How does that feel to be able to be the one who introduces us to them? Well, I feel very good about that, and of course, my my great hope is that, um, particularly in the case of Steiner, I'll, I'll talk about Zuntag and Steiner separately here in response to your question. In the case of Steiner, I mean, this was a man who had an enormous audience. He was the senior book critic of the New Yorker magazine for 30 years. Um, his book sold. Um, really, all over the world, enormous numbers of copies, and he was talked about all the time. He was the center of academic conferences at universities all over the world. And then suddenly, um, I would say, over a period of maybe a decade, in, in the early 2000s, um, he sort of, as he was getting old, uh, he began to slowly disappear, particularly in the United States. And um, so that by the time I wrote this book, it was obvious to me that a great many uh, people, including colleagues of mine, younger colleagues um, who teach at my school and, and so on, they, they didn't know him. They, they hadn't read his work. Um, that would have been inconceivable 30 or 40 years earlier, completely inconceivable. With Zontag, um, again, I, I use that term, I, I couldn't use it for anybody else. Uh, she was a celebrity intellectual. So she appears in, uh, you know, just as bit, bit pieces in Woody Allen films uh, at the Museum of Modern Art or the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. A few years ago, there was a, a big show and you could buy Susan Zuntag dolls. So she, wow. you know, she always had an enormous uh, following um, and yet, um, increasingly, uh, I have discovered, um, again, among people I know, and I know lots of writers and academics, um, even her uh, work is less and less read. She's still known you know, as a kind of a celebrity intellectual, but that's it. If you ask somebody, did, did you read her book Against Interpretation? No. Um, did you read her book on photography? No. And, 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 and you know, and she's been around for a long time, and uh, she's now been dead for 20 years, and that happens to writers and, and thinkers, with very rare exceptions. Right. Exactly. So let's talk about – I cannot have a conversation like this, Robert, without talking about you. Did this book make you think about your own legacy of how you would be looked at and remembered? Well, yes. I, I mean, because I, uh, I, I must say, though I've written many books and, you know, and I write for the major magazines over the course of my career, uh, I'm you know, 80 years old, and, uh, and I know that uh, people who do the kind of work that I do you know, have, even if they have, as in my case, uh, a, a kind of successful career, their, their works are not going to be, uh, to be studied and read in the future, uh, except maybe by specialists who have a particular interest in the subject of one of my books or somebody looking up uh, one of my essays because they're writing, they're writing their own book or their own essay about something I've, I've covered. But, um, but again, uh, with Zontag and Steiner, I, you know, again, they were my friends. We were very close. I wrote about both of them over the course of their careers, um, and I never really compared myself to them. Um, again, I've had a good career, but these were giants of another, of another kind. Uh, George Steiner was 
was the most learned person uh, I ever met, um, and Susan Zontag was the most brilliant person I ever met. Um, if no one in, in, our, in your listening audience, I know this would be the case, if you were at a dinner table with Susan Zontag, um, in a house or in a restaurant, and you had eight or 10 or 12 people sitting at the table, you would know in 10 minutes that the most interesting person at the table was Susan Sontag, no matter what the subject was. And the same would be true if George Steiner were at the table. And I have to tell you, I don't think that's what most people feel about me when I'm sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I love that. But you know, I think your humility definitely comes comes through, even in being able to um, have this view of them that you're able to share in the book. Um, and I'm so glad you mentioned and shared that about uh, being able to share this with George's son and being able to get the response there. So, what is your hope then, Robert? When people finish Maestros and Monsters, what do you hope they remember about Susan and George and about their careers and impact? Well, I think one of the things that they're most definitely likely to remember uh, are all the anecdotes. I mean, this is this is a memoir, um, and you know there are many very vivid and colorful anecdotes in in it, and many of them are hilarious. Um, and I think that's something that uh, readers who have already read the book have told me they'll never forget. They'll never forget the scene, you know, when. Uh, Susan Zontag and my wife and I were in a taxi in Manhattan on, on a pouring rainy night, and uh, Susan Zontag was her usual imperious, bossy, obnoxious self with the cab driver um, <laughs> in the way that she often was with us and other people in our circle, except in this case, the cab driver didn't care who she was, didn't know who she was, and after a while, he just stopped the car, opened the door, and said, get the hell out of my taxi now. Um, and Susan, you know, said, you've got to be kidding, because it was pouring out there in, in, in Manhattan. And, uh, and he said, out of my car, this second. And the three of us, of course, got out uh, onto the street. And uh, so I think people remember that in reading my book. And, you know, it's not the most important thing in the book, but there's a lot of that in the book. Um, but I think what, what I hope a lot of people will, will feel is that these are two people who were really indispensable thinkers and writers, and that from many of the things that I say about them and quote from them, um, they will be moved, I hope, uh, to feel that they have to look them up, read their books, um, try one. Um, I, uh, I edited a book um, in 2009 um, called George Steiner at the New Yorker, um, and I picked 40 of his best uh, 200 pieces from the New Yorker. I published about 200 pieces, and I picked the 40 best, and it's a wonderful book. And uh, I would hope that from reading my book, someone will be moved to order that book, you know, not because I'm going to make any money on it, but just because it's great. Uh, Steiner was yeah. a great writer and reviewer, and I hope someone will feel the same way about reading Susan Sontag's essays or her book on photography. I'm, I'm hoping that that's what the result of reading my book will be. Yeah. 
Well, it definitely does, I think, uh, give them a definitely new audience and shines light on their impact for sure, Robert, and we definitely have you to thank for that. Again, everyone, Robert Boyers has been our guest. The book is Maestros and Monsters, Days and Nights with Susan Suntog and George Steiner. It is available through our friends at Amazon.com. You all can get it in paperback or the Kindle edition there. Uh, definitely is worth the, the, the read for sure. And, Robert, how can our audience stay connected with you? I'm sorry, I, I missed this last thing you just asked me. Oh, oh sure. How, how how can our readers stay connected with you, Robert? Oh, I would I would love to hear from from your listeners. And the best way to reach me is on email. It's r b o y e r s at skidmore s k i d m o r e dot e g u. I'm very responsive on email, and that's. Definitely the best way to reach me, and and, uh, and anybody who tries will discover right away that I'm there. Okay. Robert, congratulations to you again. Really appreciate you spending some time with us today and looking forward to speaking with you again. Thank you so much, Cyrus. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate that, Robert. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care.